1722, he married Countess Emutha Dorothea von Rus Ebersdorf. Oh, and you I poor thing. <laughs> I probably butchered that. Um, yeah, it was quite a name. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Devereaux. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a rare gem, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. We'll be learning about German counts, finding out just how effective Christ's life and death was, and reading a whole bunch of scripture to encourage you. All that and more. But first, if you're listening on YouTube, hit subscribe and ring the bell so that you are notified when we drop a new episode. We're also available anywhere you listen to your podcast. But if you don't want to leave our contact up to the algorithms of social media, head on over to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter where we will deliver our news straight into your inbox. Yep. Um, This week, you may also get a bonus painting that we're going to talk about. So that's cool. Um, so in our recent interview with Ali McLachlan, which uh, dropped last week, if you haven't watched that, by the way, you need to go and watch it. There's so much good stuff in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but he mentioned that one of his favorite hymns is um, this hymn, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. And it's for a good reason. It's a song that definitely makes you want to sing. Mm-hmm. Um but we're aware that a number of li- our listeners aren't actually familiar with it. So we thought we'd help you get familiar with it by doing a whole episode on it. Um, it's definitely one I think more people should know. I know that I wasn't that familiar with it. I don't know yeah. about you, Monet. No, no. I think when um, when Ali mentioned it last week, I was kind of straining to think if I had ever sung it before and nothing came to mind. But it might just be because I didn't have the tune um, but I definitely don't think I'm super familiar with it. It We'd sung it the week before in church. Oh. So that's why it was fresh in my mind. Yeah. I think if we hadn't yeah. sung it the week before, I would have been like, oh, which yeah. one's that? <laughs> so I'm just going to start by saying that we're not really going to talk about the music to this hymn because we don't actually know what it was originally set to. Okay. And it can be sung to a number of tunes. So there's not really a lot to say. Mm. But there are a lot of interesting things about the man who wrote this hymn, not least his name. Okay. <laughs> so he's, I'm not going to do it in a German accent, but he's Niklaus Ludwig van Zinsendorf. It's probably not too far off. Yep. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> he's of noble birth with a name like that. Yeah. Uh, so he was born the 26th of May, 1700 in Dresden in Germany. Mm-hmm. and inherited the position of Count von Zinzendorf. Okay. Spiritually, I don't know what his parents were like, but he was strongly influenced by the pietism of his mum's mum, his granny, as well as by one of his tutors at Halle. I don't know if I said that right, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah Halle. that's cool. Halle. Yeah, he studied there, so that's cool. Very cool. Um, and it was their influence which encouraged his interest in foreign mission. So it's not totally clear when he was converted, but it's believed to be after seeing a painting called Eke Homo, which means behold the man. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, the painting's by Domenica Fetti, if anyone's interested, and it portrays Jesus 
standing trial. And at the bottom of the canvas in Latin, it says, this I have suffered for you. Now, what will you do for me? Hmm. And it said that after that, his motto for his life became, I have but one passion, and that is he and only he. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good motto, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. The funny thing is that um, about 100 years later, Frances Ridley Havergal would also stand in front of that painting and she would be inspired mm. to write a song. Really? Do you know what yes. song? Oh, I did this afternoon. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> you could text it to me afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure we could find it and link it in the uh, newsletter or something. Yeah. So uh, Zinzendorf wanted to study theology. That was like his love, but mm -hmm. he was made to study law instead. And he, mm. um, he completed his legal studies at Wittenberg, which is where Luther was. Okay. And at the then, same time? No, 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 not at the same time. Oh, okay. Um, like this is, Luther was there a couple hundred years before. Okay. Yeah. So he then took a post as counselor to the elector of Saxony. What? Which is basically like, it would be like being Prince Charles's aide. Okay. So the elector of a place was kind of the big boss of a region. So okay. he's not the king, but he's kind of like the king of the little bit of the yeah. kingdom. Yeah. Nice. So being his kind of number one guy yeah. um, was a powerful position. Mm -hmm. um, in 1722, he married Countess Emutha Dorothea von Rus Ebersdorf. Oh, and you I poor thing. <laughs> I probably butchered that. Um, yeah, it's quite a name. <laughs> uh, so in the same year, the young couple decided they were going to renounce their rank and dedicate their lives to winning souls for Christ. All right. Like relationship goals. What? <laughs> <laughs> so this was actually a bigger thing back then than what we understand it to be now. So for British people, when... Um, Harry ran off to wherever he went, America somewhere. It was all kind of like, oh no, but whatever. It doesn't Nobody really affect cared. us. Yeah. Um, but back then it was kind of like it was giving up this lavish, extravagant court lifestyle and yeah. all its various politics and its various perks as well. Mm. Um, and that was quite a big sacrifice, really, considering what a high position he'd had. Um, yeah, it was a very countercultural move. But their motivations show that they had their priorities straight. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Their marriage, unfortunately, did um, have its fair, more than its fair share of hardship. Uh -oh. And out of their 12 children, only one of them survived to adulthood. Oh, no. Which is pretty tragic. Yeah. Yeah. But... While Zinzendorf was working for the elector, he was on a good wage, more than a good wage. Um, mm -hmm. He bought a large estate, which was to be used specifically to home religious refugees. There was a lot of those at the time. Okay. And the, the largest of those groups was the Moravians, who were believers who traced their origins back to the 15th century followers of Jan Hus who was one of Martin Luther's most influential predecessors. Interesting. The the one who, the who, what? What are they called? The Moravians. One, the Moravians. <laughs> but the teacher was 
Jan Hus. Jan Hus. Wow. Yeah, he got burnt at the stake. Ooh, goodness. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, he's a really interesting guy, though. But that's a, a side. <laughs> um, yes. So the Moravians, I don't know why they're called Moravians, but they were. They were frequently persecuted and ridiculed in that period because of their religious zeal and enthusiasm. They were kind of like the early pre-Reformation Reformation. Okay. Um, and they were the ones who ended up inspiring William Carey, among others, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay. So they had a very strong emphasis on um, mission, basically. Remind me, who was William Carey again? William Carey's one of the first guys in the UK to start being like, hey, you know that thing about going into all the world and making mm-hmm. disciples of all nations? Yeah. We should probably do that by going into all the world. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Can't do that. Can't do that from London, guys. <laughs> Well, we can now, but not in those days. Not in those Um, days, yeah. There's actually a story about William Carey where he's getting really fired up and then this old boy at the council meeting just stood up and he was like, look, son, if God wants to convert the heathens, he'll do it without you or me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, so a few hundred of the Moravians settled on Zinzendorf's estate Mm -hmm. and they set up up a little community, and I'm going to say this wrong as well, (laughs) called... Hernhut. Okay. Um, so Zinzendorf <laughs> was a keen supporter of the Moravians, um, yeah. and both he and his wife wrote hymns for them. Okay. And in time, he actually became a minister and a bishop with them. Okay. So that was never really the goal for him, but it just no. kind of happened. Okay. Yeah. I, I think so his, he'd always loved theology and he'd always had a keen interest in it and then he was like I want to help these people um, and then he's kind of like oh hey you're in a mission I'm in a mission and then it's kind of like oh we believe a lot of the same things and it kind of just worked out nicely um, they published their own hymn book in 1735 and 280 of the nearly a thousand hymns were by Zinzendorf wow yeah He's believed to have written about 2,000 in his life. Isn't that so incredible? Like, this this comes up over and over again when we look into these authors. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, you know, they published their own hymnal and they just wrote like a few hundred, you know, of the hymnals included. And you're just like, do you know how hard it is to write a hymn? Like, and they just yeah. wrote hundreds of them, thousands, some of them, you know, that's crazy. I was reading about this and it crossed my mind. I was like, how do you not run out of things to write about? It's like almost convicting to say it, but I I agree because obviously you can't exhaust the depths of scripture or of God. And so there should be like a new song like every day, yeah. you know, but you're kind of like, I think that's why you find so many similar kind of phrases and in, in, mm, in hymns across true. because, you know, it's like how many songs can you have? How many hymns can you have about God's goodness? Mm. Well, about millions, trillions, you know, but it's going to maybe have similar themes in them all. Uh, or, you know, yeah. It, I guess it's up to the author. It's up to the creators and the composers to make it their own. But it's the same theme. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just my unpoetic mind that's like, it all must be different <laughs> instead of just like, 
yeah it's fine it's different enough but not yeah. totally different I don't know well, whatever the case um Zinzendorf as I mentioned before he had a strong interest in mission mm-hmm. um and he actually being minted facilitated the sending of missionaries to reach the slaves in the West Indies mm. and in North and South America okay. he also facilitated the sending of missionaries to the Inuit and to in Greenland and the Copts in Egypt and okay. loads of places um wow so the Moravians are fascinating and they're worth reading up about they'll definitely challenge you if nothing else um the Moravian church actually still exists today and the history is fascinating. People sometimes uh, refer to William Carey as the father of modern mission, but by the time he left England, there were already 165 Moravian missionaries across the globe. Oh, wow. I know. It's kind of like, oh yeah, he's the first missionary. And you're like, is he though? <laughs> so I don't think Zinzendorf himself ever went anywhere, but it's amazing how like international his reach was. Okay. Um, but then I think like it's important to remember that when it comes to mission, there's kind of two callings. There's the people who are called to go and there's the people who are called to stay. Mm. And the stayers stay in order to support and enable the goers. But yeah. both are important roles. Yeah. Yeah. And Zinzendorf yeah. happened to be a stayer. Okay. So on May 9th, 1760, Zinzendorf passed away at the community in Hern Hut, having lived a full life. So that's Zinzendorf. Incredible. I love hearing about these ordinary, not so ordinary men. You know, when you think of the the large uh, pool of hymn writers over the ages, there's thousands of thousands of them, maybe more. Must be. And it's crazy that so many of them you wouldn't recognize their name if someone wrote it on a bit of paper, but like they lived like ordinary and extraordinary lives at the same time, you know, mm. in in ways that I think honor the Lord and glorify him for sure. I think it was lovely as well that, so you remember uh, St. Francis of Assisi, we did an mm-hmm. episode on him a while back and he yeah. was just kind of like, I'm giving up everything. I'm going to yeah. be dirt poor. Yeah. But it was really interesting that instead of doing that, Zinzendorf used his fortune in ways that meant that the gospel could basically be spread around the globe. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah. No, that that's, that's right. I mean, I think it's, friend- don't judge me on this, but I do know this. Um, cause my, my husband actually uses this anecdote, anecdote a lot, but there were some like ma- major league, like professional, um, athletes that had approached Francis Chan. And for those who don't know, he was, is an evangelical preacher in the States. And they basically were like, Hey, you know, we're ready to like leave everything and like, just follow Christ. Like, you know, give up our careers and just like do the thing. And Francis Francis Chan was like, don't do that. Stay in your career, make your money, and give generously so that others can do the yeah. work. It, it, it's like you said, the stayers and the goers. I think it's romantic, um, or at least has been portrayed to be quite romantic, to just, you know, leave everything behind and run off, in, you know, run yeah. off into the 
the unknown regions to preach the gospel. And there needs to be that kind of zeal in the church for sure. But it is also a requirement to stay behind and to provide for that work. You know, you're sending people into the unknown. They don't know how they're going to pay the bills, put food on the table, stay safe when they need to stay safe and, you know, be able to pay the right people or know the right people or whatever. So the people behind are important too. And it's not like we do no missionary work at home. Um, We obviously should be doing it locally, uh, but that kind of far away, hard, hard missionary life needs to be funded. And if there are, you know, true believers, Christians that are, uh, in positions of wealth and influence, then, you know, they should keep that for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Um, you know, and and help support churches and missionaries that can't support themselves. Yeah. I mean, sometimes God blesses you with plenty so that you can bless others who don't have plenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be honest, I think part of the problem is that we have this attitude that money is evil when actually it's the love of money that's the root of yeah. evil yeah but that's an aside I just thought yeah. that was a an, <laughs> an interesting thing considering how many people um have this thing about giving up everything Zinzendorf yeah. actually was very wise with what he had been given yeah um Anyway, I know there was a little backstory um, <laughs> and a couple of tangents, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I left out so much. There's so much more to be like that you could say, and I do recommend reading up on the Moravians because mm-hmm. uh, they are an interesting bunch. But now we come to the hymn. Yeah. So Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness is a beautiful hymn about the effectiveness of Christ's work, and it's poetic as well as deep. It was written in 1739 and translated the following year by John Wesley. All right. It turns out there are actually nine verses, so I think we only sing four or five. Okay. Um. So because there's so many, we're going to tag team it. So do you want to start, <laughs> and I'll read the, the even verses, and you read the odd ones. Yeah, that sounds great. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Midst flaming worlds in these arrayed, With joy shall I lift up my head. Bold shall I stand in thy great day, for who ought to my charge shall lay? Fully absolved through these I am, from sin and fear, from guilt and shame. The holy, meek, unspotted lamb, who from the Father's bosom came, who died for me, even me, to atone, now for my Lord and God I own. Lord, I believe thy precious blood, which at the mercy seat of God forever doth for sinners plead, for me, even for my soul, was shed. Lord, I believe we're sinners more than sands upon the ocean shore. Thou hast for all a ransom paid, for all a full atonement made. When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, Even then, this shall be all my plea. Jesus has lived, has died for me. This spotless robe, the same appears when ruined nature sinks in years. No age can change its glorious hue. The robe of Christ is ever new. Jesus, the endless praise to thee, whose boundless mercy hath for me. 
For me, a full atonement made, an everlasting ransom paid. O oh, let the dead now hear thy voice, now bid thy, now bid thy banished ones rejoice. Their beauty this, their glorious dress, Jesus thy blood and righteousness. There's just so much goodness in this hymn. Mm-hmm. Um, the first verse is based on Zechariah 3, verses 3 to 4. Monet, do you want to read that? Most definitely. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. I love this verse. Um, mm. it, it shows our desperate need for Christ and the immense grace that he shows us in making a way for us to become righteous through him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're able to stand tall knowing that we're forgiven. And yeah. it's interesting you have the blood and the righteousness, which is talking about Christ's death, but it's also talking about the fact that he lived a perfect, sinless life here on earth before he died. Hmm. um because both are important to our salvation yeah um yeah he had to die but he also had to live a perfect life in order for the death part to actually do anything um yeah and this phrase just a little teaser if if you can guess this phrase jesus thy blood and righteousness it's comes off comes up almost verbatim in next week's episode so if you want to guess what song we're talking about next week go ahead and give us your guesses in the comments um and i want i'd be curious to know who who's actually right but it's so important that i mean as i was reading it i was like yes this is such an important phrase like when it comes to what we believe in our theology and stuff that it, it shows up again and again in the hymns we sing um, and obviously throughout scripture as well. Yes, it's interesting when I started researching this song because I'd used the phrase Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. I kept getting um, information on that other hymn, which yeah. I didn't read. So <laughs> it'll all be new to me next week. But yeah, yeah. give us your guesses, but mm-hmm. no Googling it. That's no Googling. Cheating. No, don't cheat. Um, yeah. So verse two is the verse that you want to sing your, sing to yourself when Satan tempts you to despair. No one can bring any accusation against us because Christ is sufficient to cover our sins. And this is the glorious truth of the gospel. We're two verses in and don't you just want to sing already? Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is taken from Romans eight thirty three to 34. If you have that, Monet. Yes, let me read that. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Amen. (laughs) Amen. So much good scripture in this hymn. I love that that verse, um, bold I stand you know again this does come up in other songs that we've already spoken about on this show but that boldness that we have with the God of the universe is such a weird um truth you know it's true we we do have we can stand before him boldly but not because of us Mm. 
it's not because of us at all. If it was because of us, we couldn't be bold even a little bit <laughs> because we just, you know, we'd be smited immediately. <laughs> There's no boldness that we could come. But we can come boldly because of Christ's uh, work. And that I love that. I love that imagery. Mm-hmm. Like you said, when Satan is tempting you, it's so good to hold on to that. I think as well, like thinking about it, I don't actually personally grasp that enough the boldness Mm. thing because Mm. it's not just like you swagger on in there like you know as if you're talking to the head teacher or something like this is the being that made and sustains the entire universe and you're just like yeah I can come into your presence without fear that's mind-blowing yeah like wow so yeah we're only on verse two there's seven more to go (laughs) i'll keep my comments to a minimum (laughs) no it's fine we will clip on through these um so verses three and four explore a little bit more of christ's work and what that was and they express the assurance that christ's blood was shed for us and like cooper says in there's a fountain filled with blood this blood doesn't lose its power to save Mm. ever Mm. Yeah, And what assurance and confidence that can give us. It's just wonderful. And again, you're seeing the crossover with themes on hymns. Yeah. Okay, so verse five was the one that made me go, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, but it's because I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> so just to refresh your mind, because there were so many verses, it's the verse that says, Lord, I believe were sinners more than sands upon the ocean's shore. Thou hast for all a ransom paid, for all a full atonement made. Mm. And it's the all that makes me slightly twitchy. Mm. Um, But I can kind of, I could see how you could give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. What do you think, Monet? What is it? What is it with Tulip? It's like... Limited atonement. Limited atonement. So the L is uh, in agreement if all means all the saints, right? Yeah. But if it don't, then yeah, that would make me twitchy. But I didn't even think of that when I was reading it. So it just goes to show you sometimes your your views are so ingrained that you don't see you where the error in. could, yeah, yeah, where the error could creep in. But it's just because it said, I believe we're sinners more. And I'm like, well, we're all sinners. So hmm. yeah, hmm. I'd want to make sure we were clear on what we're saying when we say that. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Benefit uh, of the doubt. Yeah, benefit of the doubt. Yes, we as Calvinists could sing this as long as yeah. we were like, this is what we mean by all. Yes. <laughs> um, luckily, this verse is one of the ones that tends to get dropped. We <laughs> <laughs> were like, um, nah, let's just scratch that all don't thing. Don't have to deal with it. It's fine. It's not there. Yeah. Um, but it's good to be aware that it's in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's okay to say that we agree as long as we're clarifying who we mean by all. Mm-hmm. Um. If you want to talk about that more, we can pass you on to some great pastors yeah. who would be happy to explain from scripture what we're, we're on about. Gonna, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> that. That's not our business, but we can we can point you to people who can. Yeah. Um, in verse six, again, you have this assurance. And I love how certain this hymn is that what Christ has done is enough mm. um, and that we can rest in it with full confidence. Mm. Um 
so in verse six, he's basically saying he can turn up at the gates of heaven knowing that he's not going to get turned away because Christ has made the way open. Mm. Um, and this theme's kind of picked up from 2 Corinthians 5, 21, mm. if you've got that. Sure do. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. As a side note, in this verse, you also have this theme again of death and life being important to our salvation. Mm -hmm. And then moving on. Uh, Sorry, we're having to go through this so fast, but there's just so much in here. It's a lot, yeah. So in verses seven and eight, Zinzendorf, dressed in his new robes, bursts out in praise for all that Christ has done. And I really like verse eight because there's a reminder that full atonement has been made, is Mm -hmm. not lacking in anything, and it's an everlasting ransom. Yeah. So we're not going to get like halfway through eternity only to get turfed out of heaven because our credit with God has run out. Yeah. Um, Christ's blood is sufficient and it always will be. Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah. It's such a comfort and joy, mm-hmm. especially because like we know a lot of people um, who are caught up in works religions of various kinds. Yeah. And you just you think of the anxiety and the stress that they live with, never knowing if their goodness is quite enough, constantly mm-hmm. having to add more works in the hope that it kind of tips the balance. Yeah. But this is the gospel. Christ has done it all for us. Yeah. Um, which is explained a bit more in Hebrews 10 verses 10 to 14. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Amen. He sat down because it's done, wholly, completely, eternally, finished. Um, That ought to make you want to sing. Yes. Oh, I love that. It's just, yeah, it's really beautiful because throughout the New Testament, we obviously see how full and complete Christ's work was. And obviously Hebrews just really puts the nail in the coffin there. Mm. Um, The coffin that he's not in. (laughs) Yeah, it's an empty coffin. (laughs) Uh, I love it. It's great verses. Yeah, Hebrews is uh, one of my favorite books. Mm. I'm a bit biased. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I really love that book for so many reasons. Mm. So this hymn, of course, ends in glory. Um, But it kind of lingers there rather than Mm. just being like one verse on glory. It's like we've got the last few verses kind of enjoying that which is nice yeah um it does encourage us to look forward even as we praise god for our present salvation and so we come to the final verse verse nine where christ has come back the dead hear his voice and they come back to life and we return to the theme of the song with a really satisfying symmetry Mm -hmm. um where he kind of inverses the lines and repeats them their beauty is their glorious dress Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Mm -hmm. It begins and ends here with Christ, 
the only one who can rid us of our ugliness and sin uncovers with his blood and righteousness now and forever Mm -hmm. like it is now and always will be our beauty and our glorious dress yeah and what better way to finish off this episode than with revelation 5 verse 9 and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go sing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is beautiful. And we love the hymns that end in glory because, spoiler alert, that's how it's going to end for all of Christ's people. So it's wonderful to sing about that. Um Thank you so much, Cara, for for doing the work and, and teaching us all about Zinzendorf and uh, and just his beautiful testimony. I pray that this was encouraging to you guys out there. And uh, let us know if you guessed what our song is for next week in the comments. But until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.